Hello, my name is Michelle O'Brien, and I will be having a conversation with Shay Gossett for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans-identifying people. It is May 3rd, 2019, and this has been recorded at the Brooklyn Public Library main branch. Hello, Jay. Hi. Could you start off and introduce yourself? Um, my name is Jay Gossett. I'm a, <clears throat> a writer, a graduate student, and uh, an archivist. Um, and I have been living in New York for the past five years, um, and I'm really happy to have this opportunity. Wonderful. Um, what pronouns do you use, Jay? They and them. Excellent. Excellent. Um, well, I'm excited to hear about your archive work and your scholarship and, and all of that. Uh, let's start off in talking a little bit about your childhood. What, what was your childhood like? Oh, well, I grew up in Roxbury, which is a historically black and brown and low-income neighborhood in Boston. Um, and uh, my mother... Um, her family is from Boston historically, um, and before Boston from Ireland, so those are the main places. Um, and then my father's side of the family was from Memphis, um, and they met uh, in Detroit, working for Acorn in the 70s, canvassing, um, before Fox News is an onslaught and assault on, um, uh, on that as like, you know, as, as, a, as a symptom of their assault on like poor people in general. <laughs> so, in the right wing. Um, so, yeah, I grew up in Mission Hill, which is a um, diverse little neighbor, mini neighborhood that's part of Roxbury, which is part of Boston. And um, uh, my childhood, uh, I have two siblings, um, Tourmaline, uh, who is two years younger than me. And then I have a twin named Kathleen, um, and we all grew up together. Um, and uh, I had friends, you know, in my neighborhood. Um, and I guess I think things that I particularly remember from that time period are like um, school. Um, so I went to Jesuit school actually. Um, which was really interesting and also kind of fun. Um, uh, it was like, uh, it was actually like a, like a, you know, gender binary schools. So it was like all quote unquote boys, um, fifth to seventh grade. Um, I really liked like socially the experience and it was just interesting. We, you know, learned Latin and had odd things like, uh, you know, priests teaching you sex ed, which is, um, which was just funny at that point. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and then um, also growing up, my, one of my earliest school experiences, I was in a bilingual school. Uh, it was public education, um, the Hernandez school, and uh, I became fluent in Spanish. Um, Later lost it because I lost the immersion, but um, it was like a really cool experience. Um, 
And then I went to private school after Jesuit school in the suburbs of, of Boston, um, which uh, was, it was... The school itself was kind of interesting because it was an art, it had a great arts program. Um, so I did drama, I acted, I did um, photography, ceramics, uh, played sports, I wrestled. Um, uh, it was also like a really racist place. Um, the majority of students of color were literally like bust in kind of a uh, you know bust from the urban setting into suburbs and um, it was kind of my first experience being around I guess middle class people and maybe also the uh, upper middle class folks um, and um, yeah uh, and then I left in 10th grade um, and went back to public school. Um, and it was a charter school and it was really small um, and I kind of loved it. Um, it was mostly students of color. There were trans people in my school. Um, I did uh, HIV peer education um, in Dorchester, which is another black neighborhood. Um, at a health clinic and I went to the Ryan White Youth Conference and yeah I think that was like maybe the start of um, doing work around queer and trans communities um, around HIV um, and especially like POC centered people of color centered um, and the conference was a lot of fun a lot of like cruising, <laughs> that was interesting. I think that was my first time in queer space, actually. How and old first time, you? I was like, um, I, I think I was 16, maybe 17. Um, first time meeting black trans women. Um, first time like having crushes that were queer and trans, um, or like realizing that. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think that was like this really interesting moment for me. Um, uh, yeah, and, and, um, so it was a, a charter school, there were no grades, so it was, like, part of this, like, there's a, uh, an educator who passed away named Ted Sizer, who came up with this whole philosophy that was around, like, um, he started this coalition of, like, I don't know, a particular paradigm for education theory and practice that was about like portfolios and so we did that instead of um, uh, grades which was cool um, so I did like a portfolio at the end of my senior year to the school um, so that was kind of amazing and you got asked a bunch of different questions and it was interesting because it sort of came full circle because um, I later did like a master's in teaching at Brown and and that's kind of where he had worked and their philosophy so it was kind of like fun and I had actually met some of the faculty there actually as a high school student at that school um so it was kind of interesting what was the name of the school oh it was new mission high school and the private school that i went to was called the rivers country day school um and the jesuit school that i went to was called nativity prep um and then the school before that was rafael hernandez yeah 
you mentioned your parents met canvassing um, mm-hmm. for Acorn, um, and they were an interracial couple. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you? I'm curious about their political trajectories. And political yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I just remembered something else about um, my childhood. Um, so my father grew up in Memphis. Uh, he passed away in 2010, um, and he is well. He and my mom um, are where I get a lot of political, you know, I guess a certain form of inheritance from. I guess, um, and my father um, uh, was a Vietnam vet, um, so he. Um, went to Vietnam at like 18 years old um, and I think did a couple tours um, was also a person with like uh, psych disability which you know was exacerbated or relate and or related to um, being a vet um, so um, I got a lot of black radical politics from him um, and he also was someone who was incarcerated and, you know, along the carceral continuum. So, like, involuntarily, psych, voluntary and involuntary psych confinement and prison and jail. Um, so, talking with him, and especially actually, like, correspondence was where I learned about George Jackson um, and who's still, like, kind of a major figure for me. Um, and, um, yeah, so he had a lot of black radical politics. He, um, also was part of a group, um, called the Invaders, which was sort of, uh, similar to the Panthers in Memphis. There's like a short film about them. Um, he met Martin Luther King Jr. Um, he was there at this kind of like, uh, historical conjuncture and flashpoint. Um, and yeah, he was always involved in, um, I guess, like economic justice and black liberation politics. Um, he used to do like uh, kind of almost like anti ROTC talks at high schools, um, like counter recruitment. Um, and um, we also. Growing up, were um, we went to a uh, Baptist church, and the preacher's name was Graylin Hagler, and he's a anti-war um, kind of like deacon now in D.C. Um, but he was a good friend of my father's and um, kind of a, a support as well, and um, did a lot of great organizing in Boston. Um, and then after we. Stopped going to that church. We went to St. Cecilia's, which is a Catholic church in Boston. The priest, um, Michael Gurdon, had married my mother and father, and he also worked for an architectural firm. So he did housing for folks living with HIV AIDS. Um, we were evicted um, when I think uh, I must have been in like early teens, maybe, you know. Maybe it was 15, 16, um, mid-teens. Uh, and we moved into mixed-income housing that he, his firm had built. It's like a really 
my mother still lives there. It's a like beautiful um, building. Um, and I think the church in various forms was kind of like part of our, um, you know, part of our upbringing. Um, but it was like a certain version of the church that could hold a particular kind of like lefty politics. Um, and actually at that same church, um, uh, there was a, uh, I guess, an artist and um, choir director, but also did theater, um, whose name is David Farwell. And he was the first pause person I knew. And he was like a mentor, babysitter for us. We loved him very much. Um, so he was all the, also, I think, the first like queer and gay person I knew. Um, and, you know, uh, we all loved him. Like, um, and he, uh, I don't remember the year he passed away, um, but it was like this pivotal moment in my life. Um, and it was the way in which I learned about AIDS um, as a crisis that could kind of take people I loved away. And, um, but yeah, he was an amazing person. Um, and uh, yeah, that was a big, knowing him was a huge like influence on, on me. Um, yeah, um, I don't actually remember what you, oh, more about my mother and father and kind of like their political orientations. Um, yeah, so my mother um, worked doing union organizing up until really recently. So for a very long time, um, I wanna say maybe 30 years she worked uh, with SEIU in Boston, at one point directing organizing for SEIU in Boston, and then later, more recently, um, doing Fight for 15 and kind of doing campaign consultation like in different cities in the US. Um, so she was traveling a lot, which um, was like exciting. And um, she like grew up in Boston, lived there her whole life. And there was this moment for a couple of years where she was like bouncing around. And I think that was like, fun for her. And then she was also ready to like stop and she, she retired recently and that was a big deal. And, um, and all her brothers and sisters live in Boston. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's kind of like, uh, I guess, and, and growing up we had texts that were like, you know, uh, important that, you know, Detroit, yes, I do mind dying uh, about um, the Revolutionary League of Black Workers in, in Detroit was like on the bookshelf and even if I didn't know what it was and then later learned the relevance or there were like um, kind of like Puerto Rican independence movement, um, almost like pamphlets, I guess, that I remember um, and uh, reading and like, you know, like reading was a huge part of growing up. Um, so like, like Tourmaline and I used to read like, you know, um, a lot and actually like talk about FM lit all the time. So like, this is like sixth grade, seventh grade, like talk about Native Son or James Baldwin or, and often like have like debates, which is kind of hilarious and fun. Um, yeah, so we had, I guess, you know, study in this kind of capacious sense of um, 
you know, Fred Mountain had this, has this beautiful line about, like, study is what you do with other people. And that's what I did a lot growing up. Um, and that's always been important to me. Um, and that's something that's, like, I've, I've continued to find spaces for and been changed by throughout the course of my life. So, yeah. And that's what organizing has been for me, too. Um, yeah, I think, you know, so much of the way in which I learned to, like, critique, like unpack and understand and have an analysis about things um, happen, happens in the classroom, you know, and I've had some amazing teachers, but it's also been like abolitionist pedagogy and, um, you know, activist spaces. Um, yeah, so yeah, that was a long way, long, you know, kind of like indirect Multiple, you know, like uh, wayward way to answer your question, but <laughs> no, it, 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 it's yeah. about your answers. Okay, cool. It's excellent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you talked about getting involved in this uh, HIV mm-hmm. peer education mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Was uh, what was the center called? Or the okay, program? yeah. So it was um, Upham's Corner Health Clinic. Say it again. Upham's Corner Health Clinic, which is uh, a health clinic in in Dorchester. Um, that had a youth program. I don't remember how I found out about it. Um, um, but the other peer educators were, like there were there were a couple people from my school, my friends, and then um, other folks who I didn't know um, who were queer and trans black folks who, who I met through that program, yeah. So, the, so that sounds like a, it sounds like you had a very strong political education and orientation mm. at home and at the schools you were at. Yeah. But that that sounds like a sort of step into a certain kind of yes, totally. Action. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. Um, and um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and a certain kind of like sociality. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and also going to the uh, New Mission High School, um, like there were black trans women in my high school. Um, and this is kind of uh, before our current, you know, so-called time of trans visibility or um, which, you know, Boston is a it's like a very like segregated place I think I I feel like the first I feel like I kind of like learned homophobia like at the fancy or rich white school right but I think like my experiences in um yeah in this like low-income high school there was so much proximity so you know there were queer trans people It, it was just like a really interesting space um that didn't mean it wasn't without homophobia or transphobia, but it, it did mean that we were all like together in this way. So, um, yeah, there were, um, yeah. So, but yeah, that, that program was like really instrumental for me and um, the conference was too. Um, I think, um, you know, I definitely kind of had like learned politics around HIV and, um, I even also harm reduction at that, I think at that time. Um, but also it was like my first time, like 
are, you know, going to queer and trans parties, like, um, yeah, kind of like coming into it as a form of life, you know? Um, so that's like, like having fun, basically. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah. What was some of your political trajectory um, uh, coming out of that and over the subsequent years? Mm. Yeah. Um, so I graduated high school. Um, I, I got into Morehouse College and that's where I went for college. Um, and it was a really different world. Um, it's like, it's a, you know, it, it, it's kind of um, famous for like um, being uh, one, a historically black college. Um, so um, having kind of uh, connected to a certain history, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. and went there and um, Howard Thurman, who was kind of a mentor to him and Spike Lee, Samuel Jackson. Um, producing kind of like uh, like sort of a tradition of, of, of like um, black leadership, I guess you could say. Um, and um, it felt like remarkable for me to be like in an intramural black space. Um, so that was like really powerful. Um, it was the first time I had like my first queer relationship. So that was like big for me and that lasted like through college. Um, and when I was there, um, so it's like a man, you know, like like this whole idea of the Morehouse man. And it's, it's like very invested in a particular like um, gender binary politics, but that's always being pushed at from the inside. So, and that causes a lot of like tension. Um, so for instance, like several years ago, they had a dress code um, that was instituted. So like, like everything top, you know, like changes radicalized bottom up. So, 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 um, so there have always been trans femme students and, and like trans women at Morehouse. Um, and, um, but that's, you know, kind of not part of the picture you get of the school, nor the picture that it really has wanted. Um, just now they're, they've, created a policy to um, accept trans men. But at the same time, it's a double bind because it's like in the same policy is like exiling, pushing out trans women um, who perhaps can go to Spelman, but like it's very invested in its identity as a black men's uh, institution. So my, um, I guess, uh, senior end of junior year um, there was like uh, kind of like an anti-queer attack um, and something similar you know a, a, a very good friend of mine um, 
was like attacked his his first year um, for being queer and um, like going out to a club and um, telling friends and then that other people were there and those people trying to defend that like their hetero uh, imaginary <laughs> and like attacking my friend and um, him being the one who was actually like kicked out. Um, and it's really nice. I ran into him actually at Columbia. He's a, in the MA program. Like, accident, like, I didn't even know he was there. So it was like this really nice reunion. This like happened a couple months ago. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it was, um, that was like real, you know? Um, and then also real was like this anti-black like notion that that's active in you know in America the the West that like um, black people are more homophobic um, so this like trying to figure out how to um, fight for queer and trans folks and also against this idea that like the black community is less unquote tolerant and um so that happened my first year and then my junior year there was like this really intense hate violence and it made national news um where a student was like almost killed basically and the um attacker was like imprisoned um and so I started like a a queer group and it still exists um, it's like the queer group on campus. Um, what year was that? 2002. And what is the queer group called? Oh, it's, <laughs> if I was doing it now, I would change the name. It's called Safe Space, which like is so funny, you know? Um, but they have not changed the name and Do you like, want to say why it's funny? Oh, I don't know. I just think like, there's no such thing as a safe space. And you know, there's like a lot of critiques of the term. Um, which make total sense. So I always like laugh about the, the name of it. Um, but, you know, it's been around um, for a really long time at this point. Um, so, uh, and, and there were trans people on campus when I was there. Um, so we did a lot of like panels. Um, we started a center. Um, and, they, you know, they continue to do work there, um, kind of like pushing for queer visibility and like against, I, I think against the dress code and now hopefully like against kind of like trans women and femme exclusion. And, um, but that was like my first time kind of doing visible queer activism um, uh, on a campus, I guess. Um, and I think after that, I never, uh, I, well, I, after that, I kind of taught, you know, and was, um, taught high school for a while. Um, but I think it's really, you know, I didn't make that, well, I wasn't in academia. So it's been, I want to say since like over the past 10 years that I've kind of like, that's become my center of gravity. Um, both um, 
kind of inside and outside academia. So, yeah. You taught high school for a bit mm-hmm. after Morehouse? So, so I went to Brown for like an MIT program and a Master's of Arts in Teaching. It was a um, one-year program and I liked their program um, because uh, there, there's, there was a, some other options um, that were longer and um, at that specific program you could take classes in, in your kind of like object of study. So like um, I took a bunch of classes in American Studies like philosophy of science, um, that was actually like really fun, um, <laughs> um, and uh, I took a class with a, a abolitionist, uh, Joy James, and um, the class was on. I don't remember the title, but um, we read a lot of really wonderful um, texts. Um, Franz Fanon and John Edgar Weidman came and talked, and that was like really great. Um, he's a novelist, um, and uh, actually was kind of a Renaissance per- like played D one sports, and he's just like an interesting person. Um, has had many different lives, I guess. Um, but he has a brother who is in prison for life, and. Um, I believe he was he, he like presented work from a from a from a book or some writing that was about that. Um, and that's like something he talks about all the time. Um, and um, just on a like as an adjacent thing, like you know, Michael Dyson, same and his his brother recently passed away. I just it just makes me think a lot about like how even for um, kind of like um, you know, every, you can still remain touched by the carceral system, like, even if you're a very, you know, high-tenured public intellectual, right? So, um, um, so that, during that class, um, there w- I learned about a group, and it was an arts, uh, kind of like student-run group that taught in a, in a prison in, um, in Rhode Island, so I did that. Um, and a person who was in the in, in my in that kind of collective was was Morgan Baskus, um, and that's how we met in two thousand four. Um, and I don't know, I, I it was kind of like a, a wonderful experience, um, both like what I was learning and what I was able to do there. Um, and uh, I guess I, I spoke at the like graduation and I forgot that that happened. Um, uh, and I had, you know, some of my friends um, were really interested in like uh, abolitionist pedagogy, I guess you could say. Um, and I think that's the first time, it was before I, I knew about critical resistance, but it may have been the first time that or the beginning of learning about abolition, really. Um, so like, always having abolition kind of like be a part of, um, almost like this this like intangible thing that I knew, that I believed, but I didn't have a, a name to put to it. Um, yeah, I was reading like Frederick Douglass's narrative recently, and he kind of talks about 
like what happens when um, he comes across the phrase and it's just like this powerful moment. Um, so yeah, like that gave that gave a name to a feeling basically. Um, and not only a name, but like a, a political community. Um, many of whom uh, are, um, you know, kind of like uh, critical thinkers who, who also are in academia. Um, uh, so yeah, that was a moment of politicization for me um, that year. Could you say a little about what abolitionism meant to you at that time? Yeah, sure. Um, Well, I guess, um, I guess, you know, growing up having, um, like, you know, uh, kind of like childhood, just like seeing the trauma of prison, like in so many ways in, in my life, um, like how it, it tried to take people's lives away who I cared about and loved, like, um, I don't know, my best friend in high school went to prison for a very long time, you know, like um, just how it, uh, yeah, and that's the intention, right, of the of the prison system to end life. Um, so I think learning about abolition um, was a really radical um, framework that, that, um, that didn't have kind of the, like, whatever political currency that it's, like, you know, the, the prison system is such a crisis that even liberals have to, <laughs> like, people have to react, but now, you know, you, you won't get, like, laughed out of the room if you talk about abolition. So I think at that point, I had never heard anybody um, think, you know, it, it just required a radical rethinking of, of um what exists and like like what could exist, um, and the idea that like uh, you know prisons aren't and don't have to be a solution to to violence, they are like the biggest like well funded <laughs> kind of most resourced like materially and like immaterially like. Um, violent institutions in, you know, in the country, like, so, um, in the world. Uh, so, and then thinking about abolition, um, kind of, so, like, not, not only, because it's never just about the kind of, like, discrete institution of the prison, but also, like, um, abolition, um, you know, how it requires, like, different friendships, different, different forms of life, really, like, um, and how we're also often living those. Um, you know, growing up, none of us trusted or ever called the police, right? So, like, um, or just thinking about, like, yeah, how we live together. It's like a question of how we live together. Um, and, you know, thinking about growing up, there were, like, two pages in my textbook about, like, slavery and just like abolition kind of emerging out of um, black radicalism um, and even blackness radicalizing abolition and it being um, an unfinished project. 
um, that everybody can participate in. Um, and, you know, an unfinished project to end, like so many things have to be changed in order for abolition to, to happen. So it's a continuous reimagining, a continuous reworking. Um, and that that's the whole point, like it's an activity, not um, an endpoint. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, um, and then I, I moved to California to teach. Um, so I taught high school in San Francisco for one year, and I taught um, social studies at an art school in Oakland for two years. And when I was living in Oakland, I got involved with um, critical resistance, which was wonderful, and also um, Just Cause, which is a housing justice organization. Um, and uh, yeah, so that I was kind of like embedded in, in like a, a political community, and um, that was really a continuation of and an expansion um, of of uh, of the kind of like. Um, discourse, you know, like that was happening at, at in my graduate program, and in particular in that class. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Tell me about your work with critical resistance and oh. just cause. Yeah. Um, so, I I wrote a bit like for the newspaper for critical resistance. Um, I sort of feel like, um, well, for Just Cause, I think there were like anti-gentrification campaigns happening. Um, I had people from critical, from actually from uh, all of us and none, um, come to my class, and um, so it's kind of like my job was teaching, and then in free time I would go to the CR office. Um, and to the meetings and to do support work. Um, something I remember doing is um, uh, Jerry Brown, who was the mayor of Oakland at that point, um, who I think is the governor now, maybe AG. I remember he was the governor, but okay. I don't actually okay. know. The, yeah, the, he might be the governor, governor currently. Yeah. Um, he was involved in, um, well, uh, while, while he was mayor, there was an uh, attempt to re-prosecute the San Francisco Eight, who were former Black Panthers. Um, and this was in, I want to say, like five, 2005, six, maybe seven. So we did court support, um, which is going and showing up and like uh, being in the room, both to help people who are facing the criminal justice system, but then also like I think that it, it can change, like the idea maybe is that it can change the outcome to show people have community. Um, so we were driving and, and a friend um, said that he needed to pick up his friend who was an older person who actually lived like quite near where I did. Um, and I didn't know who she was and she like gave me where there's candy, which was cute because my grandmother used to do that growing up in Boston on our car rides to like holiday things. Um, and uh, and it was Yuri Kochiyama. So that was like a really sweet and fun way of meeting Yuri who 
um, was a uh, Japanese um, anti-war like activist and was involved in so many different solidarity movements. Um, knew Malcolm X and so I stayed in touch with her for like that final year that I lived in Oakland and used to visit her and um, it was like she was like incredibly nice um, and generous like uh, showed me letters that Malcolm had written her it was just like this amazing uh, gift to, to get to know this person um, and she passed away a couple of years ago um, so that was like another part of I guess like study and community um, that was really important to me um, yeah um, and then I think also meeting people from um, gay shame um, and which I wasn't involved in but I knew you know knew um, yeah and I think also at the time uh, so I didn't like really kind of um, you know maybe I was like always already kind of like a trans trans femme person but I don't think I like identified in that way until really like 2008 actually from a conversation with my sister with Tormaline um, and my community was um, like in like kind of hilariously like sort of like um, black gay grad students actually like even because I just I guess I really <laughs> I have like this like para-academic thing you know so I, I, I don't know I, I'm like oh I guess if I wasn't getting critical theory and like teaching high school like maybe that's <laughs> that was like of course I would have like a bunch of friends who were in like English program at Berkeley for some reason um so that was like kind of funny too um and people from critical resistance actually um who we, we did like meetings and organizing together and that was like yeah, I don't know. That was like, a, and a lot of it was, you know, um, kind of not like sitting in meetings. Like there was the sitting in meetings, but there was also like having fun, you know. Um, yeah, so like parties for like good causes, right? So um, uh, was like a thing, was a thing. Um, yeah, so after, after living in the Bay Area for about three years, I moved. Um, uh I spent a summer in DC and uh, started like a very short-lived critical resistance chapter there. I also worked at Howard in the Black Studies department for that summer. Um, DC, I remember it being incredibly hot <laughs> and like the AC wasn't working at some point. <laughs> so the director of the program was like, oh, you should bring your bathing suit. You know, like like this just like, it's hot as hell. That was my first time spending a summer in DC. Like swamp realness, you know. So, um, okay, so I started to see our chapter there during that summer. This was like summer of 2008. And I, I don't know how I ended up at a meeting, but I ended up at a meeting at an at a organization called Different Avenues. And and that that was... 
it was, you know, when I was in, um, it was like my, basically this, this, this amazing, um, kind of like conjuncture between kind of like abolition politics and like queer and trans, um, and or sex worker decrim organizing. Um, and, uh, that, like the sex worker decrim, uh, kind of like political world, I guess you say, something I never left since that moment. Um, and it felt like really, I mean, I guess that what it actually felt like was almost like being back um, at this like Ryan White conference, which like I'm sure the Ryan White conference had its like issues, but like finding people that like, um, it just felt like a, a like a really wonderful community. So at that time, um, there was, a, like, the city had set up prostitution-free zones throughout the city. Um, um, and the, the cops had set them up. And there was a survey that, um, that was really remarkable um, that was being done by academics, um, nonprofit, kind of like, uh, almost like, um, you know, social service, like, like organizations like HIPS helping individual prostitutes survive, different avenues. Um, uh, um, a queer academic named Christina Hanhart, who um, stayed, I've stayed in touch with since then. That's, we met in a room in a, at a meeting, basically. Um, and all these people I, I, I've known and continue to know. And that's like, I don't know, it was just like this really beautiful, transformative thing. Um, and so I helped with the survey. Um, and Darby Hickey, um, so yeah, like a network and, um, Salvador Ortiz, um, is another academic, just, it, it showed me, I guess, the possibility of what, like, people working together across difference and, and like, skill sharing and, um, and, uh, you know, um, thinking critically and studying together and actually, like, working to change the conditions that, that you're struggling to change. Um, and, and, and for me, it felt like really lovely and, and important to have like it like be queer and trans centered. Um, and yeah, so that was awesome. Um, and we, you know, the survey was published, um, and that was my first time being part of like a participatory action project, I think. Um, and after that, I moved to Philadelphia um, to go to to graduate school at uh, at Penn in history. Um, and I realized, uh, go ahead. I met you when you were looking. Yeah, that's Philadelphia. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, and. Um, yeah, so I was I was at uh, I was in like a history program, and I realized like I like I love archives, but I I needed a different program. Um, but I met like I actually had ended up creating still long lasting relationships with with faculty, so that was great. Like um, it was the best way to have someone like transition out of that and still have like awesome relationships. Um, 
So I stayed in Philly, I believe, for like six years total. Um, and um, got involved with Hearts in a Wire there. That was like really wonderful. Um, Act Up Philly. Um, had different jobs. Um, I worked in like aid service organizations. Um, like Galay, which is Latinx, HIV service org, um, Philadelphia Fight. Um, um, I think there are more. <laughs> I feel like there's like a few and you, you most queer and trans folks like, you know, rotate, I guess. <laughs> so, um, uh, so I, I work with Hearts in a Wire, um, that was like really remarkable. I made friends through that. Um, and I think when I started working with them, they were finishing um, This is a Prison, Glitter is Not Allowed, which was a survey they did that um, uh, around like incarcerated folks' needs in prisons and in Pennsylvania that was like amazing um, work. Um, so I helped like editing that at the end of it. Um, and Pascal Emmer and Adrian had done so much work on that. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that was the first time maybe that I was part of a trans-specific abolitionist group. Um, and that was really beautiful. Um, when I was working in in uh, in Philly at, at Galay, I had a I um, actually at that time Galay was like staff wise um, almost all trans, and I had a coworker named Kyra, um, and we were friendly and friends. Um, and she was like murdered. Um, and that was like uh, really intense. Um, uh, yeah. Um, and there was kind of like a like a justice for Kyra kind of campaign, but um, actually really similarly to after the attack on the student at Morehouse, like um, trying to figure out like, you know, and this is like a problem for many anti-violence orgs, like trying to figure out, how, you know, how to support people um, in the wake of like great violence, but also um, in an abolitionist way. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, so I lived in Philly until 2014. Um, and also like started going to ACT UP, which was so like, yeah, I think all these groups is how I made a lot of like friends. And Philadelphia is really small or feels that way. Um, and ACT UP, like, um, I really liked the kind of like, um, consensus process, like 
um, that was familiar to me from kind of like critical resistance and anarchisty, democratic spaces. Um, and I met uh, Jose DeMarco, who's like someone I deeply care about, who's a longtime AIDS activist in Philly, and just like network of people who um, have been doing that kind of work for a long time and, and also um, really like were involved in HIV decrim. Um, and uh, I guess another huge kind of like maybe archival project that I was involved in while I was there was it was um, that started off actually as like uh, things I was writing about for when I was in grad school, which was like learning about um, Kiyoshi Kuramiya and who's a Japanese AIDS activist and part of Act Up Philly and had this really rich and interesting life. And so I got really involved in like um, kind of writing about him and started to work on like uh, sort of a political biography of his life, but um, which is about his life, but also is about, um, you know, how queer of color and also um, kind of like black and POC AIDS activism. Um, and I think that kind of like ignited like um, critical interest in that and thinking about uh, yeah AIDS and and racism, AIDS and anti-blackness, and and kind of like a different historiography of uh, AIDS activism. Um, and I learned about him through people from ACTA um, and his papers are at the William Way Center there and. That's a project that I'm still working on. Um, that's really important to me, and um, and you know something that I never that never like left me basically. So yeah. You were a history graduate student the whole time you were in Philly. Two years. Oh, just two years. Two years, yeah. So I did like I was and then in the. You transitioned to the nonprofit work. Yeah, in? yeah. So I like left Penn. In 2010, um, and it was like my Saturn return. It was a actually that transition from like graduate school to um, to finding a job was really hard. My father passed away that summer. It's like definitely a, like an intense Saturn return. Um, so it was like a rough, I think like six months. Um, oh, another job I had there was um, with a group called Project Home, so housing homeless vets. Um, so, yeah, and so that was like, and then finally, um, so I did kind of like social service work for maybe th three years. Um, and then the last job I had was at the Leeway Foundation, which is a feminist arts foundation in Philly um, that does grants uh, big and small for um, queer and trans and also like low income kind of uh, just like feminist grants basically for artists um, and uh, yeah my, my partner in Philly 
Priyank was like the first trans person to get one of these grants for like making, um, for making like, uh, what do you call it? Like non-leather, like harnesses out of, out of like, uh, bike tie. Anyway. <laughs> um, but like we met in Philly and, uh, that was like really was and is like really important for me. Um, yeah. Um, they're now a, like a nurse practitioner doing HIV AIDS work in, in, uh, in Philadelphia. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I lived in Philadelphia from 2008 to 2014, summer of 2014. And um, I got uh, what's my current job um, at Barnard um, at the Center for Research on Women um, as an archivist there for their papers. So that was... Um, and I had sort of always thought about moving to New York, but it always felt like really overwhelming. Um, and even my first year, it felt really overwhelming. Like, um, just, you know, uh, it's a, it's a very expensive place and finding housing and, um, but also at the same time, like, so, you know, the, the ground feeling shaky in terms of like getting your footing, but at the same time, like so many, so many like incredible opportunities and like new horizons and grow growth. Um, so that's what New York has totally felt like to me. Like um, and almost like an electricity. Um, uh, and I had been visiting for for a long time. Uh, Tourmaline moved here. Um, she started college in two thousand two at Columbia. So. Um, I've been visiting her since like 2002 and that was like really wonderful because it meant that I had like kind of an infrastructure and I knew people who I'd met over time um, and yeah met, met many of whom through her like um, yeah and the spaces that she like created and was a part of and um, that was like really beautiful. And it was the first time I'd lived in the same place uh, with with my siblings, like uh, since yeah, since um, since I went to college. Um, so that's like really that's been really awesome. Yeah, yeah. What are some of the edges of growth that you've encountered in New York? Yeah, um, I think, well, I guess a lot. Um, hmm. Um, I think for my own work, like, um, so, well, I, oh, uh, like a lot. Okay, I guess I'll start, but like, maybe thinking about like how it's changed some of my thinking and like, academic work in air quotes, okay, but, but, but like actually a lot of that happens through my experiences. So, um, yeah. Um, well, okay, so um, I, I went to Palestine um, in 2014 um, uh, and that was with a, a group of librarians and archivists. Um, and that was like, you know, something I never thought I would do. 
Um, and um, something that had always been on kind of like, um, you know, po- like politically, I, I, I have, you know, done Palestine solidarity kind of like, uh, like had principles of that. Um, and that's always been part of prison abolition. But I never imagined that I would like actually go. So um, uh, that happened, you know, through, um, well, through living here. And, and um, I don't know, it's, it's a funny thing. Um, I guess I feel like a lot of the spaces that I've been a part of and the people I've met, um, like, have been, uh, yeah, like, like, um, so that was like a really pivotal thing to go, and then um, it it also like changed sort of my academic work. Um, I've been writing about art more recently, um, so um, that's been a new kind of like threshold, I guess. Um, and I, I'm so for Freeze Magazine, I, I wrote a piece on Laura Aguilar, um, who passed away, and it was kind of a memorial of her um, and then that's that's kind of turned into more art writing recently kind of reviews of shows um, um, but also like building community with different artists and um, that being like kind of a, a, a basically like a core part of my work I think feels like being really connected to um, uh, I guess like community and friendships um, um, that, that have a lot to do with like maybe overlaps between um, writing spaces, poetry spaces, literature, and, and also like artists. Um, my first year here, I was part of a, a study group. Um, um, uh, that was around Fred Moten and Stefana Harney's work um, uh, that was like really important to me. Um, Yeah, I think I basically um, have written more and in in like new, uh, like my thinking has, has like changed and I think it feels really connected to like people and community. I write a lot more around like animality and blackness. That's like, uh, that kind of started with something, a piece I wrote for Verso Press after um, there was the killing of the lion Cecil by this hunter who's also a dentist from the US. And um, that was kind of about um, the relationship between, well, really, it was actually about abolition and. Um, thinking abolition beyond and against the figure of the human um, and thinking about the human and the animal both as what Hortense Pillars calls grammars of capture um, and so ha- how abolition instead of like the kind of like PETA animal rights kind of white, supremac- white supremacist version of animal solidarity, non-human animal solidarity or like critical animal studies so like Peter Singer and um, which leaves the human as this kind of like unthought, universal, accepted figure. Black Studies responds to that by thinking about the human as 
a racial category and a colonial category. And so my one of my academic, which is to say just like thinking interests is actually thinking about like entanglement. So like how does abolition help us to rethink um, forms of, of life and solidarity and being with um, and how, you know, the prison or, or the slaughterhouse are, are connected. Um, um, yeah, and thinking about like racial capitalism. So like who works at the slaughterhouse? And, um, so yeah, that, that's like something that um, a piece I worked for, wrote for Verso um, and then it continued to be an academic thread um, that now is actually connected to the work that I'm doing on Palestine solidarity um, that's about like how the animal is entangled in occupation, um, but bringing like black studies like Fanon, Sylvia Winter, Frank Wilderson to bear on like um, thinking about unsovereignty and non-sovereignty. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Um, so I guess like uh, I, I also like I've been working on a chapbook that um, that uh, is actually like a collection of my tweets. And have been presenting at various places, the MoMA and Poetry Project, and um, it's like a really fun kind of like para academic thing to do. And yeah, I guess I could I would say like being more comfortable and um, doing more work as like a, a as a writer, really, um, and that um, that maybe started when I was living in, in Philadelphia, but I've, it's become so much more my kind of like center of gravity here. Um, and I think that's from being around, around um, a lot of uh, queer and, and trans artists, really, um, who are also um, activists, um, or else, and also, you know, that art is always politi politicized, so, um, yeah, that's like something that that's, that's like really changed my life in New York, um, and makes me really happy. And um, yeah, uh, something else I forgot that uh, that was like this another study space. I guess um, I feel like my interview is about like trans study basically. <laughs> um, is uh, in um, I did the Lambda Literary Retreat in twenty fourteen and. Um, Bryn Kelly was my roommate, and um, which I felt like I had like hit the lottery basically. Um, she was like, we were in the same kind of like uh, nonfiction program together. She's like uh, very funny and very smart, and both those things like worked together. And um, uh, I had met her actually actually at my sister's thirtieth birthday party, and we like hit it off. Um, and I think she asked if, if, if I wanted to be her roommate and I was just like, of course, you know, um, and yeah, so, so I knew her like, you know, not long enough. Um, but we did a workshop together on HIV and like trans politics, um, at the trans health conference that was like really um, fun 
Um, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think when we were at Lambda, that's when she first met Gaines. And um, yeah, I guess I've just been a part of like a lot of social and political communities since I've moved here that have really like been important for me and helped me grow, really. Um, yeah, so yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So you went into another academic program? Oh, yes, I did. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> I left it out. Um, so I, I started my job at Barnard, um, and um, my, I guess it would have been, I've been there for five years. So um, my second year in, um, I started, I, I had applied to graduate school. And I went to a, a like I have, I did a, um, sorry, I'm just going to drink water. Uh, I, I organized, I was one of many people who helped organize a critical ethnic studies like summer seminar, um, the summer of 2014, before I moved here. Um, um, it's really funny, as I'm sitting here, I'm like, oh, you know, I think uh, one that I had was like I've been in school almost all my life which I kind of like my dad used to make this joke that I should stay in school because I don't like working like <laughs> which is really really deeply true um, <laughs> but I like school but I'm also like sort of like a not not a unconventional you know I didn't like I've had so many different like jobs and or careers kind of in this way I guess the common thread is like education, but you know, I'm not, I, I also feel like, so I'm in my late thirties, like, you know, I think either maybe I feel like I'm like, I'm almost arriving at like this, like writerly kind of like self, you know, or like maybe I'll just keep switching up things and that's like the story. <laughs> so like a lot of queer failure, but also a lot of joy at the same time, like, um, also like who cares you know um, but the reason I was thinking about that was because I guess I'm like when I'm not in school I've always found like spaces outside of school that are that are study spaces um, so this critical ethnic studies program was one of those um, and Christina Hanart was a part of that and um, it's how I met like Alex Wahile who is a uh, black queer theorist and has a book called Habeas Viscus and um, uh, Denise Ferrer de Silva um, and it was like a wonderful way to meet those folks um, because because I think when you're sitting in a classroom and you know you're getting graded it just like creates whether it's intentional or not like a hierarchy and you know just like a lot of bad feelings basically um or anxieties, whatever. Um, and, and, and this, we were all, kind of, and it was activists and, and or academics. So it was like a, I think it was a week. Um, and so we had uh, Andrea Smith and um, Jenna Harita Warren, who's a good friend, who is a queer color theorist, who has a book called Queer Necropolitics and writes on queer, queer uh, trends of color theory, basically. Um, so this kind of like space 
um, that now I'm blanking on why I mentioned this. Oh, um, about graduate school. Um, okay, so uh, there I met um, a good friend named Louise, and uh, they're at uh, the Rutgers program a year ahead of me. Um, and in Philadelphia, I met a friend, JB, who's in my program. And it was, that's how I found out about the, the Rutgers program. Um, I also remember um, that that same summer, I went to Barcelona for a program in like decolonizing knowledge and power and had a class that was on Stuart Hall uh, with, with Ruthie Gilmore, who I had been too shy to meet like back in 2006. I think Golden Gulai came out in like 2006. I could be totally wrong about this, but there was a, I think, I think that that's true and I have to double check, but I met her like in the context of a book party and I was just so shy, you know, I just said hi and kind of like, like similar to when I met Sadia Hartman for the first time. <laughs> um, and I've been in a working group with Sadia Hartman and that's another New York kind of like magical thing. Um, um, so that's led by her. Um, so I had this class with Ruthie Gilmore and one, it was about Stuart Hall and that was amazing. Um, and I had read, um, you know, I knew about Stuart Hall's influence from reading a lot of people who had worked with him, Paul Gilroy and the Birmingham school. Um, but I had never really like close read Stuart Hall and, also, um, you know, Ruthie Gilmore, like, um, she's just such an amazing abolitionist thinker. And, like, 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 literally, you know, there were, like, 30, maybe even more people in this, in this seminar. And, like, every time she finished talking, it felt like the revolution was going to start. Like, like, it was this amazing energy. Um, and she's someone who I've, yeah, just never stopped learning from. I feel like I have people that I've been grateful to know who, whether they're professors or, you know, activists or artists, that, that that's been kind of key to my life over the course of my life, that, like, leave a impression or that I feel like our companions we're always pushing my thinking. Um, yeah. Um, so I made friends at this program and went to a conference at Rutgers. Um, and I knew just from that, like that I that I wanted to go to the program. There was a. Oh, well, what's the program? It's it's gender studies. So it's like women and gender studies. And it's really interdisciplinary. So like I, um, I'm like, oh, I, I don't know if I would get in trouble for this, but like, you can, it seems like you can do whatever you want. And another thing is like, it doesn't feel, I'd been in other academic spaces where it just felt like, um, made me kind of feel on edge and, you know, just like this affect or atmospherics of like, uh, just elite, like, 
stuff that doesn't feel good, you know, like, um, that makes you miserable, I guess. So this program does not make me miserable. Um, actually, like, I'm quite happy. Um, and it was, like, perfect for me. Um, I think because I'm an older graduate student. Um, and feel, like, sort of in an open relationship with academia. But, um, and so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm there when I'm teaching. It just fit a lot of my personal needs. Um, and enabled me to be in New York and, and also work there. And um, so at this conference, there was a paper on, like, transness, intersexness, and, and like, oysters. Um, it was just, like, trans theory in a lot of amazing ways. Alex Wahile was the keynote. And, yeah, it was just people who I, I felt excited to, like, companions and thought, kind of. And then also, like, actual friends. <laughs> so... Yeah, so um, I got into the program. It's it's and um, and it's I don't know. It's it's uh, I've I felt like um, I felt like I, I've I've really like graduate school often is is like a really grueling experience for for most people, and I'm, and I, I I don't feel like utopian about the neoliberal university. Um, and adjectification and and um, and also I think the faculty in my program I've really appreciated um, um, and I, I think um, yeah I think I really like the interdisciplinary nature and kind of like theory centered aspect of it as well um, so yeah, I've been, that's where I've been now for four years. So now I'm kind of dissertation writing, um, which is most of my life right now. Um, and um, another kind of like, I guess, project that I've been doing recently is, is like martial arts, so like Muay Thai for the past two years. Um, and, and that's been, uh, really transformative for me. Um, uh, and I, I fought, um, for the first time, uh, like both in an exhibition fight at my own gym and then in a, in a, a ring, like a amateur fight. Um, so that's like a new part of my life, actually, that happened because of my partner, Priyank and Philly. Uh, they started doing Muay Thai. And I had done like martial arts jujitsu off and on for like a long time, but never, it was Brazilian jujitsu, so it takes a long time to get each belt. So like, it's like impressive when people do that, but also like, I, I never stayed with one gym maybe long enough. So this, I've actually been going pretty frequently and um, so they came and did a exhibition fight at my gym and I loved it and the it's like an interesting martial art because it I feel like it's on this continuum from like beautiful to brutal and it's really effective stand up it's like uh, kickboxing but you can use elbows and knees um, <clears throat> there's trans people trans 
Muay Thai pro fighters. Um, and that's like been really great, I think, uh, to, to know. Um, going to a pro fight tonight. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Oh, Friday night fights? You don't know. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so I, so I, I love Muay Thai. Um, I'm going to wait till my dissertation is over to think about fighting again. Um, and yeah, so that's that like, so kind of writing and then martial arts, um, uh, have been big parts of my life at re recently. Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit more about your gender. So you talked oh, about yeah. your conversation with your yeah, sister in yeah, 2008. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Tourmaline was visiting Philly. And um, we were talking about gender. And I think she asked me, like, you know, um, how did I identify? And I think it created, I feel like it created like a space, like opened up something. And then, um, and I was, I, I realized, you know, I think from that time, actually like, um, I started to identify as trans femme and that was like, um, I feel like the first time with queerness, like, it was like a very backwards feeling thing, like a nostalgic, not nostalgic, but perhaps it like made me realize I was like always already queer. And similarly with being femme and trans femme, like it kind of like explained a lot. Um, just like made me realize like, oh right, this is like why I feel dysphoria all the time, you know? Um, and it um, was healing. Um, and I also identify as like, I don't know if I would say non-binary, but maybe like have a queer relationship with masculinity or something. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, and maybe, yeah, non-binary could be like a placeholder for, for, for that. But generally I just say trans femme. Um, yeah. Although I will say like I am... There's like, maybe, um, I, I will say I'm, I'm happy for like a kind of, a, almost like a political enunciation of, of non-binariness. Um, and also like, um, I'm, I like how trans can do the work of holding both, though like, um, re, like exploding the binary period, you know? Because sometimes it's, there's this tension that feels it, like, I don't know, I guess there's a lot of, like, category tensions or something, like, between, like, non-binary, um, kind of, like, naming and claiming, and then, like, uh, maybe people identifying as non-binary feeling um, pressure from binary or like trying to push against the binary but also how to hold trans people who are binary identified um yeah so um yeah but i'd say like trans femme and um that's been hugely 
Yeah, like really kind of like radically healing for me. Yeah. And finding like trans femme spaces um, that really, I guess, like go back to my childhood. Um, yeah, that's been really important to me too. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, is there anything more that you want to talk about today hmm. before I ask her a closing question? Not that, not that, um, well, may, maybe like one thing is, um, just in terms of the, the art writing. So my dissertation is, is kind of like a critical theory of abolition. Um, but one of, one of the, one of the almost like, one of the objects is like aesthetics and um, looking at like black trans visual art and cinema. So Tourmaline's films um, are like a huge piece of that and huge part of that. And then um, Key, Key Williams, who is a black gender conforming artist. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess that's like feels like another way to be in aesthetic community and conversation, and trans community and conversation. Um, that's that's really important to me, like in general, but also like right now, like um, like thinking with people's work, basically. Yeah, um, and it's trying to think about um, like aesthetic sociality and abolitionist sociality and and um, how black trans art is like shaping both of those things. Um, so it's really an extension of like, I don't know, um, everything else that has been part of my life um, as well, but, but also like, yeah, I think it's like a different way of sharing political space. Um, but study has been the main thing if I think about it, which is so funny because I didn't expect yeah, I guess this interview's like super cathartic. <laughs> like, is this interview a therapy session? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, yeah, I appreciate the interview. Yeah? Yeah. So you've shared a lot about the way study has been this transformative yeah. way of engaging abolitionism and yeah. trans studies and yeah. black studies. Yeah. Uh, where, sort of orienting to the future, where do you uh, hope this uh, might unfold in the world mm. or in your life? Yeah, well, that's a like uh, that's a great question. Hmm. That's a really good question. Hmm. I think I guess like a narrow answer to your question um, is about like. Um, Hoping to um, just at, at least in terms of trans studies, like um, and my own academic work, like um, really like bringing that work and those reflections to trans studies, um, and um, like thinking about what are the links between between art and trans studies, basically. Um, 
and, and contemporary art, really, like, because this is like right now. Um, and I guess another, um, maybe an example of that what is like the Trapdoor anthology um, that, that was artists and trans studies. Well, basically a lot of people in art and trans studies, really, and theory. And like where those, like without boundaries between those things. Um, doing, doing work around like visibility, but also like a rich archive of, of like um, around trans art. Um, so maybe, yeah, I guess maybe, maybe um, I think I would like to um, do, be like writing or uh, critically thinking around art and trans theory and blackness, black studies, um, and trying to make contributions that are about all those things together um, in and, and, and also like really outside of academia. But I don't know what that crystallizes into in terms of like a job, but that's like the project I want to do that I know I would like to do at, the, at this moment. Um, yeah, but that's a great question. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. Okay. For your for your own, yeah. I guess to um, how do you answer that question in terms of your own work? Hmm. Why? Tell me about why you want this answer on your. Internet. Oh, I don't know. I'm because I guess we're both in academia. Yeah. Yeah, and I've known you for. Um, like we've we've been in political community for for so long, um, and um, yeah, like a mutual interest in like trans archives. Um, maybe a different question could be like, um, well, like uh, why the work of the Trans Oral History Project has been important for you. Yeah. For me, very personally, the Trans Oral History Project has been a very powerful opportunity to reconnect mm. to the dynamism and richness in, of uh, trans life right mm. now mm. that I um, did, you know, came out in 2000 and yeah. did some trans organizing in the early 2000s and yeah. really drifted away from trans community and trans yeah. political engagement as yeah. a as a frame of reference yeah. and a lot um, happened yeah. in the world yeah. and I felt um, disconnected from it and yeah. this um, personally has been very transformative mm. in just getting to hear about mm. intergenerational trans life, young mm. gender non-binary people, mm. like trans elders reflecting mm -hmm. on their experience mm -hmm. and and a lot of brilliant trans people doing mm -hmm. incredible political, mm -hmm. cultural, mm -hmm. intellectual yeah. work in the world, yeah. organizing work and yeah. lots else. Yeah. Um, and I'm, um, I like science fiction a lot. Oh. And I think a lot about how uh, sort of dynamics in yeah. the present will unfold in yeah. the future. <laughs> uh, and I think that... Uh, nice the kind of future that we need very yeah. much is one yeah. where a yeah. collective project of right. solidarity um, right. produces and gives opportunity for mm -hmm. people to pursue freedom mm -hmm. in their mm -hmm. lives mm -hmm. and that trans people, ch 
transitioning, going through the very per personal process mm -hmm. of exploring their gender mm -hmm. and then negotiating the world, making mm -hmm. space for mm -hmm. their gender, for genders that didn't mm -hmm. belong previously, mm -hmm. is, uh, is one of the better models of freedom mm -hmm. that we have, mm -hmm. of what the mm -hmm. practice of mm -hmm. transformative freedom. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot about what the future of gender mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. in a more free society. Mm -hmm. um, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. When you said intergenerational, I remembered um, meeting Miss Major. Yeah. And um, I think we had met like like very briefly um, in New York, I want to say in like 2006 at Audrey Lord Project, like cookout, I think. Um, and later, um, uh, Tourmaline organized a, a panel um, at Queers for Economic Justice and I like went to get Miss Major and took a cab to um, and it was like a uh, 20 minute like like a really incredible hilarious beautiful conversation because um, she's really funny um, and she I just remember asking her about like being in New York um, around the time of Stonewall and her relationships with um, folks who had been in Star or were connected to Star. And um, so when you said intergenerational, I just thought about that. So, yeah. Yeah. Have you done your own oral history interview? Okay. It's my first day. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to listen to it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Too. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. has been a pleasure. Yeah, 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 totally. Me too, yeah, yeah. Cool.